More than a decade after the devastating quakes, Christchurch's iconic buildings are coming back to life, in a sense. Scratch artist Mike Beer, a.k.a. Ghost Cat, has embarked on an ambitious collaboration to rebuild some of the city's favourite lost establishments in miniature. The project is called Ghost on Every Corner, and it's due to be completed at the end of next year. But in the meantime, he's on the hunt for stories connected to the past. Mike Beer joins me now. Hi, Mike. Hey, mate. How's it going? Good. Love your work and love your story. Thanks very much for your time this afternoon. No, thanks Thanks for reaching out. Appreciate it, man. Can you give us a bit of... Um, backstory to how you came to this project, how you ended up being, if you don't mind me saying, an artist who's a bit different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I suppose um, it all came from, uh, initially I had a, an exhibition uh, a few years back now called Shadow Town, a fixate, and um, I just, I had this, like, obviously I was here for the earthquakes and just the, you know, a lot of, um, lot of stuff happened and had this idea to, to scratch build stuff to kind of memorialise things we lost. Um, so, I, you know, the first exhibition was things like the Ministry and the old volcano. And I built these things because, you know, I'm all about nostalgia and memories. I think everyone is to some degree. Yeah. And, and and did this exhibition and what had no idea what to expect. I don't think anyone was going to turn up, you know, because it was kind of the first thing I, I'd ever done as an artist in that sense. And it was it had a huge response. And then kind of from the follow on from that, I was just like, man, I, I feel like I've got to go a little bit further with this. And, and I suppose that's where this idea spawned from. Because uh, yeah. you, you you weren't always an artist. How did you become an artist? Well, I, I kind of have been from a kid, but I've never done it as a career. It yeah. was always just kind of like, I'm from Birmingham, which is a very um, miserable place back in England. <laughs> so, so always, hey, hang on a always... second. Birmingham's the home of Black Sabbath, isn't it? Uh, it is, mate. So there's some good stuff to come out of there. Um, although UB40 is from Birmingham, and so I'm not really a big fan of them. So um, it's not all good. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, but you you, know, were, you were a carpenter, I think, and um, yeah, yeah. So I was told to get a trade. You know, yeah. you wouldn't really make a living as an artist, that kind of jazz. And and so I got a trade, and I've just spent a big portion of my life really miserable. <laughs> so so it's just like not because I was wasn't doing what I you know I really wanted to do, which was was with the art side of things, and then. To cut a long story short, I ended up applying for a job at the Court Theatre. Um, I got that um, and then just kind of led me on the path to where I'm at now. So, yeah. Yeah. And miniatures, um, how did you yeah. settle on those as the sort of the format you were going to work with? Um, there's a few artists I've been following for a while. There's a French guy called Charles Maton and a Melbourne guy called Joshua Smith. And these guys were building... Uh, one guy was doing set for movies, but miniature. Another guy was recreating like the urban landscape in Melbourne, and it just, you know, when something just clicks and kind of resonates, and I was yeah. like, oh man, I've got to. That's what I was. That's what I want to do, you know. So it, it kind of, yeah, I was inspired by others before I kind of set off on this journey. Yeah. Can I just mention one of your early pieces was apparently a toilet. That makes me sound so classy, doesn't it? <laughs> so, Michael, your first piece. Yeah, it was a shitty toilet. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, it was a, it was a toilet. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, it was interesting because uh, I suppose art's quite visceral, and when it's three D, it's also even more so because it's something you can explore when it's on a plinth and look at <laughs> stuff like that. So I was like, um, I'd been out with a, um, a mate, Icarus. We'd been gone to an abandoned place, and I'd seen this cubicle, and I was like, oh, so it's an actually it was actually a cubicle that existed in Christchurch 
took a few pictures without sounding like a weirdo, and then um, just kind of like made it. And I was like, oh man, I'll go extreme with it. And I made it quite vile and, you know, with the usual tags and just like, I mean, I won't go into detail because I'm on radio because I don't want to look like a complete cretin. But yeah. it was pretty rank. It was gross. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was the first thing to sell. And the most interesting thing was it was a merry, lovely couple, but a merry vale couple that bought it. <laughs> the guy was like a, the guy was like a heart surgeon and she was a teacher. And so I was like, oh man, I'm so appreciative. So I went over to thank them, and I was like I to the to the to the woman. I was like, "So I just have interest. Where, where are you gonna? Where's it going?" She went, "Oh, it's that's going in the toilet. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's going in the lounge." She said, "That's going in the lounge," and I was like, "Oh, wow, that's amazing!" So, so okay. yeah. It's so you knew you were onto something. Yeah. You knew that yeah. your your eye um, was something, um, and your taste was something that other people appreciated. Um, I, I called yeah. you a scratch artist before. Some people might not have heard that term before. What does that mean? So scratch building is essentially taking different materials, anything you upcycle or you buy, and you know, MDF, wood, stuff from the eco store, and then you kind of put all those elements together so you're building stuff from scratch. Okay. That's kind of where that term comes from. And I mentioned at the beginning of the interview you're currently working on this collection of Christchurch icons. What have, yeah. you, what have you created so far? Okay, so the first, um, another uh, classy establishment, that would be the Atami Bathhouse. <laughs> Um, so that was my first build. Um, it's got nothing to do with the fact that I ever frequented that establishment. <laughs> I never went inside, but I think it was just, um, I always, it's funny how whenever I speak to anyone, I always start with that. Well, I've never been in, but, um, always makes me sound <laughs> super guilty, doesn't it? But, yeah. <laughs> but it was just, it was, it was iconic because everyone kind of knew what went on inside, even though you'd never been. And it was just that kind of, the status it had, and architecturally, it was it was actually quite beautiful. But it's got that juxtaposition of being beautiful, beautiful architecturally, but also kind of grimy as well. So it had that kind of total opposites. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what made it stand out. And you know, you talk to anyone from Christchurch and go to the Atami, everyone's like, oh, and everyone's just got the most random story. None of the stories I can really share on radio with you right now, but I've had yeah. some really interesting people reach out and tell me some horrifying stories that still kind of keep me awake at night. You know? Oh, they're, they're horrendous, but it's, yeah, it's an amazing building. I'm sure you get a kick out of people's reactions to these miniature pieces. Yeah, I suppose it's more more for the fact of it's trying to bring back something that meant something to, to people. You know, we lost a lot. Um, after the earthquakes and, and Christchurch as a city had some amazing heritage buildings and you know had had real soul the city had such soul you know mm. and there was just these back alleys you could go to and all these kind of like hidden nooks and crannies and that's what was so amazing about Christchurch so in a sense it's I'm not trying to do it for me for like oh this feels good because it's just because I went through the earthquakes as well albeit I've not been here all my life but it was not a good time and um and I suppose it's just bringing back that again that that nostalgia those memories and those good times people had you know and and can connect to if that makes sense yeah and for example that Atami bathhouse that you recreated is it hard to find exactly the right materials to build this out of um, no, not really. I mean, material-wise, is it, it's fairly straightforward. I think the hardest thing is you're very limited on reference pictures. So, um, you know, you can get a few online, but sometimes when you're building something specific, you really could do with some inside photos, or, and you can't always get that. So there is an element of creative license. So if there's something you, you can't get exactly, you're just going to kind of wing it a little bit. I understand you had a bit of experimentation when it came to the curtains. 
Yeah, yeah. So um uh <clears throat> I I it's interesting when you when you make something to that scale, you think you can use the same thing. So I was like, Oh man, I'll I'll just buy net curtain and put it in. Yeah. And it just, it just didn't look right. So I tried so many different things and it was bugging me so bad. And in the end, I was like, Surely this can't work. I ended up using toilet paper. That sounds so tacky, but it was the only thing at that scale that actually looked like net curtain. Yeah. So, so you know, it's a lot of experimentation and trying to get the right look, especially at that scale. Do you need anything from our listeners, or are you happy if you've got enough to work on? In what sense? In, in story? Sto- stories or suggestions or anything else? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always need stories. Um, funnily enough, is it's, it's like as soon as I start posting, I've just I built a repertory theatre that was on Kilmore Street, and someone hit me up was like, "Oh, um, I've got a great story for you. My granddad worked there as a props technician. He had a wooden leg, and he he died, and apparently he haunted the repertory, and people could hear his his wooden leg <laughs> tapping in the back. And and I was like, oh, that's great. But she'd even got an article from the paper talking about this guy with a wooden leg, oh, and people cool. could hear it knock it. How good is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, go on, sorry. No, no, sorry. It's it's just trying to find those stories that connect, um, you know, with the people, with the the buildings, and just something that's, that's, I don't know, just it's got to be, in a sense, not one of these books that's kind of like, oh, it's touristic, and that place had a nice coffee, or it's more Mm -hmm. like just the heart of the, trying to find the heart of those stories, you know, so that's that's the plan, anyway. Yeah, cool. Um, Before you go, you had a bit of a sideline project for a while, making small copies of VHS videotapes, right? Another random sideline. Yeah, that was called the Monster Mailman. Yeah, and managed to attract some international interest. Yeah, I um, I was doing it for a couple of years. So I was recreating VHS tapes, miniature, and um, I managed to get some of my products to uh, Robert England, who plays uh, Freddy Krueger, and uh, the guy, the original uh, Mike Myers from Halloween, who yeah. was Tony Moran. So that was cool. So, um, but all of those things led me to where I am now, so I'm, I'm pretty grateful. So the guy who um, who played the monster in Nightmare on Elm Street actually has a tiny little VHS yeah. miniature of the Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. movie yeah, created by him. you. Yeah, there's a picture of him on the Instagram on the on my old Instagram site, which good is one. pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah, it's good stuff, mate. I'm very excited about the whole project. Me too. Nice to talk to you today. Thanks so much. Awesome, mate. Thanks for your time.